Well, good morning, everyone. Um, and I am Suzanne from MABA, and we are delighted to be presenting this webinar in partnership with DB Group, a Dram Up Savings for Your Business. Um, we hope that this webinar will provide some practical tips on how to save money through improved energy management and optimization. And this morning, I'm pleased to present an expert lineup of speakers. We have Tim Partridge and Brian McAlpin from DB Group and John Ferguson from Mabbit. Just a few quick things to note before we commence the webinar. The webinar is being recorded, so if we could ask that you keep your cameras off and you keep on mute at all times. However, if you would like to engage or ask a question or you're directed to by presenters, you know, please do unmute so we can keep that engagement during the webinar. There will be a chat, chat box, so we continue, we encourage you to put in your comments and thoughts and any questions you might have as we progress. We'll take a moment after each presentation for any questions and we'll also have some time at the end. Um, so meanwhile, um, over to Tim and I hope you enjoy the session. Thank you, Suzanne. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Tim Partridge. Uh, I'm here to talk to you about um, energy rates, costs uh, that uh, go into your bills. I've got 20 years experience in the industry uh, with the last six years, uh, market analyst, uh, wholesale markets, uh, flexi contracts, and subsequently then uh, trading in those markets. So what I hope to do here, just a quick 15 minutes to distill uh, a lot of information down uh, to the poignant facts for you. Uh, if you have any follow-up questions, please use the chat as Suzanne said, or feel free to get in touch with me afterwards. I'm gonna foray into the screen sharing world. So please let me know how this goes. Can everybody see my slide? Yep, you're good, yep. Tim. Wonderful, thank you very much. So what are the most fundamental impacts for the costs, the rates that you are paying for your energy? The number one, Two and three are, are a trifactor that all impact your prices. Uh, number one is the most uh, basic, uh, most obvious, and that's volume. How much are you using? Um, Brian will go into ways to reduce that uh, in, in his section. But again, that's, that's what everybody thinks. If I need to reduce my energy costs, I need to use less. So that's kind of the most obvious. Number two is the period or the timing. When you use your energy, either in the day or through the seasons, impacts on the rates you get. If you are, for example, well, obviously you're all distilleries and breweries, but if you were a printing press using energy through the night, that would be a lot cheaper than, for, for example, a retail shop opening at seven, closing at seven. Uh, those are really the peak periods and the most expensive prices. So if you imagine in the day, it's the most expensive. And then if you're using that same frequency in winter, it's a lot more. And uh, again, we can help you uh, reduce that. But I would say the number one factor that a lot of people who aren't really in the industry uh, fail to notice is the actual rates that they're getting for their contracts from energy suppliers. Um, we are a TPI consultant here to help you reduce those. And the main thing there is choosing the right day to buy. You'll see here, number three, the rates. Sorry, my screen's up the top. Um, the rates in your contract uh, are split into two. The top part there is the graph. That's the energy markets. It looks a bit like Wall Street. Everybody's trading. Excuse me one second. Somebody's in the waiting room. There we go. And then the number two is you're paying for energy. However, 
the bottom bit there, the pylon, indicates all the other levies and charges that go into your bill, and they actually make up the lion's share of your bill. So the actual energy cost is the cheaper part of your energy bill, which I don't know if people know that. Um, we've recently done a, a survey for customers, and 57% of the people didn't know that. So um, that's very important. Uh, the best example I can give here for the advice we can give is talking to a school. Um, we requested that they delayed signing their energy contract for 24 hours. The energy supplier then had to uh, refresh those prices as they change every day. And there was a nearly 12 grand saving on an annual spend just by waiting 24 hours and knowing the right day to do that. And that's our job to do that. Um, again, our survey indicated that nearly 65 people renew their contracts at the same time every year. However, it actually might be better choosing that contract today rather than when your contract's coming to an end. Again, we can help you with that. We're moving on. I'm hoping that's changed on everybody's screens. I'm taking that as a yes. Thank you. Um, factors that impact your prices and what to look out for. Um, there's lots. I can't possibly go into everything in a day, let alone 15 minutes. However, I'm going to break it down for you and hopefully uh, you're aware of this or if you're not, um, feel free to sign up to our energy reports. They, they're free at the moment. They come out every day um, and it's give you a flavor for what's going on in the, uh, in the markets. Or if you just want to know what's going on, please talk to somebody at the company and we can tell you uh, what's going on to help you come up with a plan for your purchasing. So at the moment, that little germ is COVID. I'm sure we're all aware of that. In the end, energy industry, this has had quite a profound effect on how everybody works. Because of factories, businesses, industry closing, um, the industry rates are, have plummeted. They've fallen. Uh, before lockdown, uh, Brent oil was around $60. And then when the first lockdown hit, it dropped to $20. And these, these all impact your uh, rates. But the main thing with the, the COVID dropping everybody's uh, use is that energy suppliers are now having to charge a bit more to make up for any shortfalls. So it's very, very careful when you look at the, the type of contract you're entering into. And if you're safe with that, whether it's a fully fixed contract or a pass through, um, again, our customer surveys show that a lot of people aren't aware of what pass through contracts are, although they are cheaper. So again, loads for us to talk through with people if you want to reduce the actual rates you're paying. Aside from COVID and its demand destruction that was everywhere, we've got, we're coming into winter, uh, a usual time for prices to go up, uh, as well as extreme weather that we're having everywhere. We've got half of America on fire, half America in a, in a hurricane. There's, there's so much going on there. The bottom two are the main issues that we'll see. Uh, bottom left, that's just all these markets that are going on. Um, oil, carbon, um, LNG, all of these prices are fluctuating through COVID with the lockdown causing many, many issues. I've just talked about oil dropping. Um, the other way around, carbon, although it has dropped, if, at the same time in 2017 to now, we are 222% higher. Uh, and again, all of these wider fuels complex, the carbon, LNG, uh, crude oils, uh, they all impact the costs of uh, everybody's energy rates all over the world, especially ours, really. And then the final box is, I, I have no idea what picture to use for this, but risk geopolitical risk uh, what's going on with trump what's going on with biden whichever president gets elected will, will impact their oil industry uh, we've got brexit coming up um, we've got trade wars uh, china uh, venezuela uh, we've also got um excuse me uh where was i there 
the risks. Yeah, well, that's that's about the main lot of risks at the moment. But there's loads going on, and also all the issues in Saudi Arabia and the Middle East. All of these actually have an impact on the rates that your granny pays. It's an amazing industry. And again, we write energy reports. If you want to sign up and find out what's going on, feel free. But this is the main one now. This final slide, and this is what I really wanted to talk to you guys about. If you look at the the pie chart top right, we have the breakdown of your unit rates in your bill. So for example, the commodity, that's the energy part, that's between 30 and 35% now. So while we all watch the markets, follow Brent, crude, Putin, Trump, all this, that uh, has, the, has the smaller impact on your bill than the other part, which are non-commodities. Uh, some people call these third-party charges. These are levies and rates applied uh, by industry, for example, distribution and transmission charges uh, and balancing services. And on the flip side of that, we have all these government levies um, that you guys get to fund uh, through um, anything, the SUAS, uh, renewables obligation, FIT, CFDs. Um, there's, there's, there's many charges. The one thing for you to take away from that part is, while the non-commodity aspect is the lion's share of your unit rate, they are all forecast to increase as we move towards uh, net zero or the emerging tech uh, schemes, auctions, initiatives, everybody funds that through their bills. And that is the lion's share and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So when we can uh, predict or forecast what the energy markets are going to do, and that's the top left graph, those are just gas and power prices for the last roughly two years. And you can see that although prices are starting to rise now, uh, we're well below where we were back then. And that's the important factor where you just want, want to uh, forecast and predict the, the right day to sign on the dotted line as per the school example. And uh, before we move over into the uh, question section, if there are any, the last part, uh, these circles along the bottom, this is a brand new non-commodity charge that's coming in. It's called the Targeted Charging Review. Um, it's kind of got gone under the, the radar with all the impacts of COVID and lockdown and all the news on that. However, it's going to have significant advantage uh, impacts sorry um, what we've got here is the first circle indicates uh, generation moving over to the pylon and that's how we get the energy to you now you larger users will have um, capacity uh, highlighted with your dist distribution network operator and that's your availability charge or, or the kva on your bill these are going to get stung with these new non-commodity charges uh, there's going to be a traffic light banding system as per the slide and again, if you don't use too much or all of your use is in the off-peak demand, you actually may see some of these charges staying the same or dropping. Uh, it could be done. Um, but if you're in the mid or peak, you're going to see a large increase. Now, uh, as a uh, consultant, we can analyze and go through your capacity for you and uh, recommend changes based on your data. And again, Every site is uh, specific to that site and company, so I can't give too many generic examples here. However, you, if you are a one gig uh, industry, so you use a thousand, sorry, a million kilowatts a year, you're going to see uh, at least 20 grand put on your energy bill. That's the example that was uh, rolled out by Eon many, many moons ago. And Ofgem have just, just published all these different charges. So we're going through and analyzing these and, and working out the impacts for people. And again, they're all different based on your capacity uh, are you, have you got the right capacity? Are you constantly overpaying, underpaying? Uh, and this is something that Brian will also go into later um, 
in his section. So any so the takeaways from you here today, please, are to energy to, to reduce your energy costs. You have different uh, options available to you, each one uh, as impactful as the other. And the energy bills, unfortunately, are only going to go up. So choosing the right day to buy is paramount. Thank you very much. That is fantastic, Tim. Thank you very much for that. Um, I'm just going to have a wee look at the chat box. Um, we have a, a question in the chat box from Francie. Does off-peak include weekends? So one for yourself, Tim. You're on mute, Tim. Promise I go on, on mute after I finish. Um, off-peak, uh, it, it doesn't really include the weekends. There will be lower charges there. However, if, if you're looking at reducing your costs, it's, it's the time of the day, really. Um, there's not really any off-peak in the gas market, and I did, failed to mention there, sorry, that these new non-commodity costs don't impact gas. It's just the power, which is more susceptible. Uh, but yes, uh, off-peak, it's slightly cheaper at the weekends, but you'd be looking at, you'd be better off using energy through the night, for example, if you can. Um, again, everybody's different with uh, how they can change their loads. That's great, Tim, thank you. And Francie, hopefully that answers uh, the, your question for you. And um, we'll move on to our next speaker, which is John Ferguson. If you have any questions in Tim's presentation, please do put them in the chat box and we will revisit at the end of the session. Thank you, Tim, and over to John. Tim, I think you might still be host or soon if you host, I'm not able to share my screen right now. Think, think Tim's on it, John. I think that's me. Cheers. Um, okay, is that showing up okay? Brilliant, thank you. So, I'm a, I'm a mechanical engineer at Mavit. Um, have been for about past six years or so, and I've been lucky enough to visit breweries and distilleries in nice locations up and down the country. My focus has usually been on energy and how it's generated and consumed within the process. Um, so that's what I'm going to cover today. A lot of my um, recent experience with distilleries in particular has been through undertaking heat quantification exercises. The goal of these has been to give a better understanding of energy use on a site through creating a Sankey diagram to map out heat flows and the size of each stream represents the scale of energy consumption. This gives a, a visual representation of the major energy users and perhaps more importantly it highlights any waste heat streams which reveal the biggest opportunities for recovering heat and improving efficiency. Alongside the diagram, I uh, will provide a report which details identified opportunities for recovering heat. And this includes uh, a waste heat summary table, providing further detail on the quantity and the temperature, as well as how practical it might be to recover heat from these streams. I should say that the, um, 
the schematics we've created for distilleries in the past end up being a lot busier and um, perhaps less intuitive, so I didn't see much value in trying to cram that onto the screen. Um, we've yet to undertake this exercise for a brewery, but we are keen to and think it would be equally beneficial as a lot of the underlying principles would be similar. Um, doing this it involves a combination of analysing available energy data as well as taking on-site measurements. So, uh, of course, the more extensive a submetering system you might have in place or the more data points you've got talking to a BMS, then the more accurate the outputs can be. Um, and then actually spending time at the site um, allows us to take some non-obtrusive measurements. Um, that might be um, fitting flow meters to pipes, for example, to measure um, oil flow or water flow, maybe serving the boiler, for example. Um, we've also fitted temperature loggers to steam pipes, hot water pipes, um, and quite often use a, a thermal imaging camera. Often we'll leave equipment in place for a period of maybe a week or so, and that will give us a, a typical profile during a, a production week. With regards to distilleries, steam consumption is generally the main focus. And the next slide um, shows what we found to be a, a typical steam breakdown in both a malt and a grain distillery. <laughs> Energy losses are inherent in steam systems, but there is there are some simple things that can be done to, to limit these. Um, the, kind of the basic ones that usually pop up include recovering as much condensate as possible. Um, related to that, ensuring the temperature in the hot well is maintained at around 85 degrees or so. And of course, making sure all steam and condensate pipe work is insulated to reduce heat losses. Uh, in addition, making sure all tanks, um, all heated tanks are well insulated also. Generally speaking, we'll look at ways to, first of all, minimise waste heat streams and also consider whether some of the waste heat can be captured and then reused. Well, a lot of the, a lot of the waste heat streams are well, predictable, but actually quantifying these and presenting these losses in terms of a financial cost to the business can then influence investment decisions. I'll chat through some examples um, of opportunities that have been identified during these exercises. Um, first of all, so preheating CIP water um, using flash steam in this case. Uh, generally, CIP involves large volumes of water um, in order to dilute the caustic solution to the required strength. So, um, typically steam heated also, which of course um, very energy intensive. Um, on the whole, it's good to recover as much condensate as possible, as mentioned, and to do this, it's often collected in receivers uh, before then being pumped back to the hot well in the boiler house. And probably notice a lot of these receivers, they'll release flash steam. 
um, which has usually just been yeah, lost the atmosphere. In this case, the opportunity involved fitting a, a flash steam recovery unit onto the vent and using this recovered heat to preheat CIP water, uh, which then reduces the steam required to bring the water up to temperature. Um, well, we mentioned that yeah, recovering condensate is, is a good thing. Flash steam vented from the condensate receiver generally um, is lost. So recovering this portion does not then um, reduce the temperature in the hot well. Um, in this case, the opportunity had an estimated payback period of about four and a half years. Uh, however, this was a site that used natural gas for steam generation. Um, if a site does not have access to natural gas, then its likely fuel costs will be higher and therefore any heat recovery projects will be more cost effective. Um, another opportunity um, uh, for a malt distillery, for example, is um, optimising the spirit still preheat. So in this example, um, it was observed that the spirit chill charge was preheated by the hot water system, but only to about 40 degrees or so. Um, and it was found that the spirit still waste stream could be used to further preheat this charge to above 50 degrees, um, which consequently then reduces the, the steam demand. Um, so this would involve fitting an additional heat exchanger directly after um, the heat exchanger which preheats the still from the, the still charge from the hot water. And even with a, a moderate temperature increase in this case of about 13 degrees or so, um, we're still looking at a payback period of around about three years. Um, and yeah, without the preheating, this aspect can be a a very energy intensive part of the process. Um, also an opportunity that could potentially be implemented in all steam boiler houses um, is to fit a, a flue gas economizer. So this involves recovering heat from boiler flue gases via heat exchanger and this heat can then be transferred to the incoming boiler feed water, uh, which in turn reduces the load on the boiler itself. Um, so the expected payback period in this case was just over two years and this was for an oil-fired boiler. Um, so I've focused mostly on heat flows, um, but we can help, well, across the board from process design um, through to upgrading utilities, on-site generation, um, to assess the performance of a facility in operation. One of the, one of the areas um, in which we've seen a, a growing demand is developing carbon management plans, um, or a, a net zero carbon strategy to be more ambitious. Um, it's obviously an area of high importance right now, um, but due to the the size of the challenge, it's something that tends to be looked at over a period of maybe 10 to 15 years. Um, this <coughs> longer outlook gives the, the opportunity to then consider projects that may otherwise be overlooked. Um, some examples might be 
energy from waste plants or on-site electricity generation technologies. Uh, projects that have a large upfront cost and a payback period of maybe more than two to three years. Um, but looking at them through the lens of carbon emissions uh, can provide the justification for progressing them if the end goal is to become carbon neutral or close to it. Uh, thanks for listening. I uh, would be happy to take any questions and um, uh, in the meantime, I will pass over to Brian. That's great. John, thank you very much indeed. John, just one question coming into the chat box from yep. Jack Mayo. Assuming that recovery of heat from flash steam is more economical as a retrofit than having a pressurised hot well? Yeah, I, I suppose it it depends. So the in the example I spoke about, the, the benefit of the recovering the flash steam was that the the condensate receiver was in this still house, I believe, so quite far from the um the boiler house, the steam boilers itself. So in this case you'd have yeah a large run of pipe work bumping the condensate from the receiver back to the back to the hot well, whereas um, this the CIP water could be preheated locally by the um, locally by the flash steam recovery. So if the flash steam can be recovered in the still house and used in the still house, um, then you're going to have a lot less losses associated with that than say, recovering flash steam and using it elsewhere on site, as in trying to recover it for to increase the temperature of the hot well. I suppose, I don't know if I've answered that correctly or not, it's both can be beneficial, of course. You want to get, you want to get the, the hot well to a high temperature, but there may be better ways to do that, say, optimising condensate recovery, maybe a steam spars in the hot well, as opposed to recovering flash steam for that purpose. Depending on the site, recovering flash steam, if it can be used locally, probably better to do that um, and use it that way. That's fantastic, John. Thank you. And thank you as well to Dan um, for adding some additional comments. So that's great, guys. Any further okay. comments? Um, that you have or any additional questions for two of our previous speakers, Tim and John, please do continue to put those in the chat box. So, John, if you'd like to hand over the baton now to Brian um, for the final presentation on our set. Hi there, good morning, everybody. And uh, what I want to do is, well, just while I get this set up and share my screen, what we're looking to do today is really to focus on, um, we've really spoken, the first two speakers have spoken about the market and the process. And what I would like to do is to speak about um, your domestic supply. So look at the main incoming supplies, so electricity, gas and water. We're looking at those as they come into the building. And what we'll do is we'll go through some of these icons that are on the screen here and just, just expand upon those a little. It's give, going to give you a flavour for uh, some of the key uh, features that we look at, the key support that's out there to help you with funding models and, uh, and looking at government schemes and drivers and, and why we want to look at efficiency and what, and what can we do to be, to be more efficient. 
So that's going to be the main focus. So there's no particular order to go and round these. Um, you can choose how you want to, to look at, you know, different structures in here. You can say, well, I want to look at no cost solutions first or billing first, but I'll go through a process that I think would be quite useful in the first instance. So really looking at internal and external strategies, first of all, on the top left there, what we want to do is, is to define um, your internal and external strategy. So is it, is it a strategy that's come from government targets, for instance, so we've got net zero targets, uh, 2045 for Scotland and 2050 for the, the rest of the UK? Are you looking at a commitment just to being more green, you know, to, to make you look more green? Is it a social media, you know, doing more on your social media to, to, uh, to get your brand and, and recognise for your, your commitment to, to green solutions? Or are we looking at really just reducing costs, reducing your emissions? Are we looking at attracting new customers? Are we looking at training competencies in-house? Um, are we looking at ISO 50001 and, and other schemes, ISO 14001? And there's some new ones out called uh, Future Net Zero, which is something that could be utilized for companies that aren't registered as a, as a large company, but more your small to medium companies can be involved and still start to have a commitment to energy. There are lots of strategies that you can choose. I think just, you know, you don't have to choose so many. I've kind of spoken about a few there, but choose one or two. Choose one or two that you can really achieve that's realistic and, uh, and work towards gaining those uh, strategies over time. So the next one, we'll just go down the next one, compliance. So a lot of distilleries and breweries will, will be very aware of government legislation. So we've got ESOS, which I'll cover a little bit. SECR is the new uh, streamlined energy carbon reporting, and we've got CCAs as well, so climate change agreements. These are all compliance related um, schemes available to you or you'll be part of. Uh, ESOS is certainly one that I think all of you will be most will be familiar with. So it's for very large uh, companies, uh, over 250 employees, and obviously maybe some financial um, commitments there as well. But basically, it's a, that ESOS is really important, although it seems to be you know, quite a task, quite a cost to you, and uh, and do you get much out of it, is that you probably will get a lot out of it. It's bespoke um, surveys that have to be done on your site, so it's bespoke to you, Not it's not sector-driven, uh, and it is something you can really gain from that, and it's choosing the right um, lead assessor, choosing the right surveyor to come and look at your site, you know, so companies like Mabit, who will, uh, who are lead assessors, and they do have distilleries in mind, they know the distilleries, how they work, they know to come up with ideas, that are actually going to strengthen your process. But there will also be things within the ESOS that actually, you know, you can change, this. there's no cost. Um, so although you may think that some of them are, you know, they're going to be big investments and high cost, there are some, some tips and techniques in there that actually is, there's no cost at all to that. So it's really key to look out for those and start to move forward with, with ESOS. ESOS is only every couple of years. So with SECR coming out uh, more recently, um, the first kind of years, um, the first reporting years really just completed uh, now. And it is an annual commitment. It is an annual um, response. Your financial team have to be involved as well. So it's a great way to get the, the uh, energy higher up the agenda. You have to, this is audited accounts. So you have to, to lodge a submission uh, onto Companies House. So again, people can see exactly what you're doing. And it gives you a great way to be able to start thinking about efficiencies and what can we do to be to be more efficient? I spoke about um, earlier. We'll touch on CCA. So climate change agreements is something that is very much open to to your sector. 
Um, it has been a closed scheme uh, for some time, but it's reopened uh, this year. So there's new applicants are, uh, it's open till the end of November. So it's something worth thinking about. It is a commitment to making sure that you look at ways to reduce your consumption. But the commitment then is turned into a financial gain. So where the benefit of a CCA is, is that by reducing your consumption and by taking on a commitment to reduce consumption uh, over time, you will receive a reduction in your, your climate change levy, uh, which, is, which is quite a high cost. So if you take a million kilowatt hours, for instance, in electricity, you're likely that's going to cost you just over £8,000 per annum on your climate change levy cost. If you were to engage with a climate change agreement, you will reduce that electricity commitment by 92%. So you would then only pay £648 a year. So there is something that's really worth looking at. Uh, and as I say, with it being reopened, it has been closed since around 2018. So the fact that it's, it's become open again is a great way to be able to start thinking about how we can engage with a, a climate change agreement and start to look at our costs. So if we take the, the table for next year. So in April 2021, the reduction in CCL on electricity is 92% and the reduction in gas is 83% on your CCL cost. So it is quite a, a financial uh, gain there to, to look at that. So that's something again to consider. If we move down to billing, uh, billing is probably one that obviously Tim touched on earlier as well. Billing is really important uh, to look at. It would be the first place that I would start as an energy manager to, to have a look at your data and start to say, you know, you know, are our bills correct, first of all? Your circumstances change regularly. So we would always recommend that you look at your, your tariff costs. And you may have brokers that do this on your behalf already. But regular reviews of your billing is really important. You know, you may once have been a half hourly supply, you may now be a non-half hourly supply. The markets are completely different. Your KVA capacity may have been at 500 KVA, but actually when you look at your averages over the year, you may only be using 200 KVA. So a reduction in KVA is something you may be able to do unless you have future plans where you are looking to expand, where you would potentially hold on to that availability uh, rather than, than remove it. But as I say, your circumstances change regularly so it's something to to look at things like are your water meters sized correctly you know you may have a much larger supply and you're paying for that supply you may be able to down downgrade the water meter and pay less of a, a rate um, are you paying the correct level of vat just simple things like that that you know it's really kind of looking into that and that's what your brokers are there to do i mean ultimately db group our core business is looking at energy your utilities and we can help to go through that, whether through the bill validation process, whether it's just one of our consultants and experts overlooking your, your invoices to be able to, to find ways to, to, to save. And when I went in a previous role, I used to work in at a university. What I did was I looked at the billing straight away. And within six months of me being in that post, I saved the university half a million pounds. And that's purely from just looking at the billing didn't do anything else, didn't, didn't install any innovation, purely looked at the bills, checked to make sure we were paying for the correct meters uh, and, and the correct tariff rates, reduce some of our KVA. You can make such a difference um, with just looking at your bills. So it is something that you would, I would recommend doing. So we move to the next one, uh, which is transport. So transport is the, the highest polluter of CO2. Um, it is something that you know you may want to consider, and there is quite a lot of talk about you know electric vehicle charging points 
uh, electric vehicle cars. And now is the time to look at this. There are lots of funding models available uh, for everybody. Any company that's uh, based in Scotland, for instance, will have a 50% um, grant available from the Energy Saving Trust, as well as some funding from the, the Office of Low Emission Vehicles. Um, you can get interest-free loan, interest loans on cars. So if you're buying cars, you can get interest-free loans over six years, which is, which is really keen as well. Um, you don't pay benefit and kind tax on an electric vehicle for a company car, for instance. And there is further tax reliefs on the enhanced capital allowance scheme for the financial director will be um, probably quite keen to, to learn more about that one or probably knows about it already. But again, great tax breaks out there to be able to, to make some additional savings. So why would you move to electric or, or a hybrid uh, as another option? But again, it shows a great commitment to, to the environment, obviously. Um, it raises internal awareness. So again, there's great staff incentives. It raises external awareness. So again, it attracts new customers potentially. You know, you're showing your commitment to, to energy. Um, it builds your brand. It builds your reputation to show that you're a company that's, that's interested in green, in green products. And again, on the billing that I just spoke about uh, earlier, again, looking at green products as well is really, really important, again, for your brand and for being able to basically share, share that, share it to everybody that you are, you know, looking at renewable technologies as part of your your uh, billing. So that's transport. Um, there are lots of no cost solutions. So going up to the top right. So you don't necessarily have to invest now in, in your capital. Um, you can actually lease equipment. So you can lease LED lighting, you can lease um, washroom solutions. So water conservation products. You can get solar free of charge uh, now as well. So, you know, that's something to look at that you can get your electric vehicle charging points installed for free as well. Yes, they're not they're free in terms of the installation and you will pay that back over time in terms of a, a rate, but it's a great way to be able to look at it. LED lighting is an example, you know, the benefits straight away, you've got reduced costs, you've got reduced heat, and you've got a, a visual commitment. You can put LED across your entire estate now with no upfront cost. You can pay that back always in a cash positive uh, situation. So if you're going to be saving a thousand pounds a month, you would pay it back at 800 pounds a month until, you know, for example, um, until that's paid off. Once the lights are paid off, then the lights are yours. So it's a great way to be able to, to look at that. Uh, the next one is, is renewables. So can I move it on to that? Renewables are really good. Uh, it's trying to find the, the correct technology for you. you know, do you have the space available to put a CHP plant in, for instance? Do you have good roof space for solar? Um, you know, what availability do you have with your power coming into the site? You know, is there a good electric um, setup there? So it's really kind of thinking or considering about the different types of renewables. Do you have a, an internal resource that can manage the, the renewable technology once it's installed? So it's looking at all these key things to, to think, you know, think about the correct technology. Look at low maintenance ones. Solar is a, is a really good one because it's low maintenance uh, and it can be a real uh, benefit. To you, so again, consider consider doing that as well. Okay, the next one is really looking at efficiency. So there's lots of different ways you can look at efficiency. I've done a number of surveys uh, across lots of distilleries, and it's it's trying to really find things that that can save money. So do regular walk rounds. Make sure that the all the control panels are switched to auto if they're on a BMS platform. Um, make sure they're not on hand. Sometimes when, when we do a lot of maintenance, we can switch them to hand and, and necessarily not go back to the auto feature. So again, think about doing regular walk rounds, check to make sure everything's on auto. BMS reviews is a great way to look at things as well. Check your timings, check your set points. We, we, we move into different uh, seasons throughout the year. So again, you don't want to be work, working on a summer setting in the winter and vice versa. 
make sure your BMS is, is well managed and, uh, and in the correct season. You've also got external consultants that can help to strengthen the efficiency as well. So we can obviously come in and do surveys and, and help. And it gives you that reassurance as well. You may have a team already that are looking at different things and it's just getting that assurance from, a, from an external consultant to say, yes, this is the right path we should be, we should be taking. So consider low cost efficiencies as well. We've done some great work with bottling plants and distillers already around water conservation, load-based products, LED lighting, for instance, and obviously renewables. So it's trying to think about your domestic efficiencies just as important as your, your process efficiency as well and start to think about what we can do there as well. So we're nearly there. Um, I know I'm kind of going over my time probably, but uh, AM&T is something I think it's worth looking at. Um, we need to verify all these changes that we're actually looking to do here. So some of the things I've spoken about, about you know, installing some innovation or whether we're looking at things, we need to start thinking about how we validate that and how we quantify those savings. So a monitoring and targeting platform will help you do that. Uh, it'll help you to understand your energy patterns, you know, the, the whys, the what's, the hows and the where's. It will identify areas, an area to focus. It will break down your building. It will help with compliance. So it can look at HACCP. It can look at Legionella. It can track your performance and you can understand where your savings are actually coming from. So it's a really important part of it is the verification side of it. So lastly, I just really wanted to summarize on these points here. Uh, and the main one is really to, to define your internal or external strategy, review your compliance and try to get the very best out of it. Understand your billing. Uh, that could be a real uh, saving uh, from just looking at your bills. Think about electric uh, is the way the, uh, the cars are going. Uh, innovate at low cost or at no cost. Work on efficiencies, so regular walk rounds, regular audits to understand your building more. Get the support of a, an external consultant to help do that as well. Um, quantify and verify all your decisions that you make to make sure you're making the correct decision for your business. So really, to, fight, to finish on this is really to follow these simple steps and, and again, Please get in touch if you have any questions or you want to discuss any of these more. But you know, if, if you kind of take some of these points and start to work towards your decarbonisation strategy, it will help towards uh, to, to getting efficiencies and reducing your consumption. Thanks very much. That's fantastic, Brian. Thank you very much indeed. Three insightful presentations and hope everyone's able to take away some information as well as maybe um, get a sense check on information in their backs at the that they had of themselves. So just having a wee look at the chat box. No um, further comments or chat at it. Um, now, now is the time, folks, if there's any last minute burning questions, or perhaps if you want to take yourself off mute, if you have a question that requires a bit more um, explanation behind it, um, just to ask when you've when you have the expertise of the speakers there in front of you. So I'll just give it a wee moment to see if anyone thinks of anything or would like to ask a question of any of the speakers. And maybe in the meantime, if Brian, Tim or John have any final um, points that they want to put across to the audience. I like it, everyone's thinking away and reflecting. Great guys, thank you for starting to put your feedback in on the session. Um, Francie, yes, I have hopefully recorded it, fingers crossed, and yes, we're happy to share the recording. Um, 
That's great, guys. Thank you for starting to put your thanks in. It's good to see that you've been able to take something away from it. Uh, we have a question just come into the chat box and hopefully I'm not missing anything as things feed through the, the feed. A question from Gino. Going further to decarbonise, what will be the future of green energy? So going further to decarbonise, what will be the future of green energy? Maybe one for yourself, Brian or Tim? Sorry, Tim, just struggling to hear you there. I think you are off mute, but just the sound's not coming through. Sorry, Tim, not sure what's wrong with your sound. We can't hear. Can you hear me, Suzanne? I can hear John, yes. Got yourself, John. Okay, um, no, um, just on that point, I would say that um, I, it depends a lot on where you are, what the um, what the demand profile of the site is like. Um, electricity, um, I mean, if possible, you're probably looking at say, solar PV along with some energy storage in order to reduce the reliance on the grid. Uh, as much as the grid is decarbonising um, as it is, then um, if you are looking to, say, become a, a carbon neutral site or a, a net zero carbon uh, facility in general, then you'd like to be producing some sort of electricity on site. So the main options are probably solar PV, potentially um, CHP. Um, Transport-wise, uh, Brian covered electric vehicles and that looks like the way that's going. Um, transport, especially when it comes to, say, deliveries, etc., is still probably a huge part of the, um, the carbon emissions associated with um, distilleries and breweries at the moment. And heat is maybe the most difficult one. Um, but there is, um, we are seeing more and more interest in, say, in bioenergies, whether it's, say, biomass or biogas um, being used to generate steam as opposed to using fossil fuels. Um, there's the opportunity sometimes for energy from waste plants. So um, sites will produce byproducts which could be burned to well, generate heat generate steam um, to um, then right, reduce the fossil fuel demand in that sense. So, um, yeah, Dan said that in the chat as well. Maybe Brian or Tim want to add something there as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we can hear Tim yet. Um, but certainly, yeah, I mean, I'd say John's kind of picked up on some of the, you know, the products in terms of being green. We're obviously looking at green energy as it comes into your supply as well. So you can look at the, the ways of looking at green gas, green electricity. You know, green electricity is more 
competitive in terms of pricing that Tim was maybe going to touch on as well. Uh, green gas is available as well from AD plants and things which is a bit more expensive in terms of the market. But there's lots of ways to look at being, you know, to be, you know, the future of green products. Uh, and there are great funding models out there to be able to support that as well. Uh, there's some new funds matched fund funding coming out as well. So again, from a from a point of view, I think there's been a conversation on hydrogen, changing fuel types and, and that kind of side of things, is that we can there is matched funding out there for that as well. It starts at a minimum minimum of 250,000 pounds, but there is funding models out there to support any types of green funding or green uh, products and services that you want to, to, to look at. And we're here to support you with that as well. That's fantastic, guys. Thank you. Hopefully that helped, Gino. And again, Dana put in a comment just to reiterate what John was speaking back as a comment to Gino's question. And I see there, Tim's put a wee note in the chat box. Um, guys, I think that's everything. So just to thank you very much again for your attendance and for your feedback on our webinar. We will send a follow-up email with um, contact details for each of the speakers if you'd like to follow up, if there's any burning questions or things you think of after the webinar session. And um, we will be pleased to share the recording, hopefully if I record it successfully, with, the, um, with, our, with yourselves on the call and also copies of the presentation should you require. So thank you very much indeed. And I suppose there's one final note, um, both DB Group and Mabbit are active on LinkedIn. So if any of you on LinkedIn, I do encourage you to follow our LinkedIn pages where we'll keep you up to speed with changes in industry, innovations that may be helpful for yourselves in your own businesses. But thank you very much indeed and enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you.